my 33rd Christmas, and I do this all the time, so I'm going to start right away. I wish you a Merry Christmas, because I always forget. I really do forget. For me, it's just another day. I turn the page. It's a new prayer. I do the same thing every day. You think your life's boring? <laughs> I do wish you a very, very, very Merry Christmas, despite the... Um, Scary times that we live in, the, the odd times that we, we now live in. If you've been uh, following my videos online during Advent, you've been listening to uh, the stories of the prophets of Advent, Jeremiah and Zephaniah, Baruch, uh, Micah. Um, and the school teacher in me, I started as a school teacher years, years ago, and uh, it never leaves me, so I have to recap for those of you who are in the crowd. If you're listening to the messages at all, basically what I told you is what they told us, that God was going to intervene someday very dramatically in our human history. And when he did, he was coming to redeem his people. He was going to defeat the power of sin and bring an end to oppression and injustice. And he would establish freedom, peace, happiness. God would send a savior to rescue his people from their long-lasting trials and all their tribulations. And as a result, the world and human life would never again be the same. This is the night. This is the night when God intervened into our lives and changed us forever. This is the night that we, the people who sat in darkness, had seen the great light. That star that brought people to the, to the manger, the magi from the east, the shepherds. Early in the second century, someone wrote a letter, and in that letter, he said, God had a plan. He always had a plan. Yeah, we read that in Jeremiah. I have plans for you. So we know that somewhere God's going to tell us we wait patiently and impatiently. But the writer says God devised this plan, and it was a great plan. It wasn't more than great. It was going to be wonderful. And he only shared that plan with his son. And for a long time, he kept it secret. And as it was held in his secret between them, we, the people of God, started to get anxious. We interpreted God's silence as an act of neglect. He left. He's not going to come back. He created us and left us alone. He wound us up, and away we went. We interpreted it as that, that, that God was not going to reveal anything to us. And while we are waiting for something to happen, as we do now, as we wait for his second coming, we grow more impatient, and we begin to follow our own whim. We create our own plan, our own ideas about life and morals and truth. And we tend to get swept away by our, by our own unruly passions. We tend to be led astray by those things that give us pleasure. We build even more our treasure chest of what we desire and need. We're no different 
than the people who walked in darkness that saw the great light. So God saw that wickedness the first time, and he sees it again. And he saw that that wickedness reached its culmination, and he knew the time had come that he had to no longer be quiet. He had to make known his plan. And the plan that day and the plan tonight has not changed. The plan is that through his son, we would learn kindness and compassion. We would learn to forgive one another. We would learn to serve one another. We would learn to love. And God in that plan shows us that he is the powerful one, not us. God in his plan shows us that he's the generous one, not us. God shows us how to love. He didn't show hatred for us. He didn't reject us. He still doesn't. You know, I always think when I sit in that confessional, everyone that comes into those confessionals pours out their hearts and their spirit, their soul. And God never says, go away, I don't want to hear you anymore. God says, I absolve you. I forgive you. I love you. Come back to me with all your heart. God didn't grow impatient with us, rather patient with us. And through Christ takes upon himself all of our sins. So, you see, we are the people who sat in darkness. We are the people who tonight, again, see that great light. God's not keeping secrets from us at all. He's asking us to become that light. It wasn't part of my thoughts, my, 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 my notes, but I'm going to share this with you. It was a, and I won't name the parish. I was in a parish once as an assistant, young. I was young once. And I'm feeling tonight that I'm not. At midnight, I should feel it really well. But I, it, there was, a, there was a, a parishioner just like to nag. That poor pastor couldn't do anything right. You know, she's going to sue us because... She was allergic to the forsythia. She continued to sneeze and cough and carry on, couldn't breathe, until one day he finally showed her they were silk. <laughs> when the incense came out, she began coughing. He asked an altar server to bring it out with nothing in it. She coughed. One day she came after one of these masses, Christmas Eve, and she complained that the manger was wrong. The nativity set was all wrong. There was no star above the manger. And I'll never forget his response. He simply looked at her and said, You are the person who has seen the great light. Go be a light for another. Madam, be a star. Maybe I was meant to tell that story because it makes sense to me. It makes sense to me. It, it, it says to me that, that since God's not keeping secrets from us, what does he want from us? He wants us to be light for others who sit in darkness. He wants us to be loved for those who are unloved. He wants us to be of service for those who have no one to help. He wants us to be Christ for one another. He wants to be with us, 
He needs us as much as we need him. This is the night when we can commit ourselves again to becoming that light, that shining star, that, that we can be so bright that others want to follow, that we will love so deeply that others will feel that love and that love will be God's love, and that we will serve one another. And so off my notes, wherever I go with this, I encourage you to be a light in the darkness.